Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. So here we are. In my series on adults who live with ADHD, how we cope, how we work, how we get through life when our brain is not wired for the modern world in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We just we just aren't built for that. But we have other advantages that you neurotypicals don't. So. <laughs> anyway, today I have Taddy on, and she has, despite her, you know, her ADHD, she's got, I know she would go, she was working on her doctorate, I believe. I'm not sure if she's got it yet. She does. All right. So it's Dr. Tabby. Ooh, awesome. <laughs> but anyway, Tabby. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. I it it'll be nice to sort of go through and just find out from various people how it is we deal with our non-neurotypical brains, you know? <laughs> yeah, neurospicy brains. Yes, yes, for sure. So why don't we um just real quick, if you would like to maybe give just a just a quick sort of Cliff Notes version of where you went to school, your degrees, sort of what you do now, that type stuff, because that probably is going to be a little relevant on how you dealt with that to get your doctorate. Yes, yes, it was it was definitely a factor. So I went to Oklahoma State and I earned my Ph.D. in history. And then I branched out and started working in random fields. I did some side quests that way, and I started studying in tech. And now I'm a software engineer, which is very good for you shiny people. (laughs) Well, it probably helps that it's, you know, sort of changes a lot, I guess. And I have found that sort of works for me, not having to do the same old, same old, same old, same old. Exactly. It's different every single day and it keeps my attention. So are you, uh, do you go to work in an office or are you getting to work from home? Mine is perfect because I like to work from home until I don't because then it becomes too routine. So my office, I have an office to go to, but I can pick and choose when I go in and when I don't go in. Nice. That is fantastic. Because if I have, if they had rules where it's like, you have to go in this day at this time, I'd be like, I don't want to. But then on my own, I'll end up going in quite a bit. Right, right. Yeah. Now, I, I could see where, you know, there's both sides of working from home and being in an office. Jody, who is the first person I interviewed for this series, she works better at home than in an office environment because all of the sounds become too much for her and she works much, much better at home. So she's getting to work from home all the time, which she's very, very thankful for. And I 
need to go into an office because even though no one is looking over my shoulder, I just need the threat of someone looking over my shoulder to maintain some semblance of focus. Because when I had to work at home, I'm just like, oh, I wonder where the dogs are going. Oh, there's a yes. oh, they want to go bark at that squirrel. I should go see what that squirrel's doing. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I don't have that issue at that issue when I'm at you know when I'm at work. So I guess you're somewhere in between. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm a hybrid because uh, I have both of those problems of like I kind of like the accountability of being in the office, and to be fair, because it's optional, the office isn't full of people. Okay. There's only like maybe like four other people in there, so I totally identify with the like other people distractions but yeah if I don't change up my environments I get even more easily distracted and like yeah I'm gonna go look at a squirrel hey how'd I end up in here I need to vacuum yeah I I feel you I uh I gained so much weight when the pandemic started and we were working from home because I was I was smoking food on my smoker every day oh yeah I mean, we ate very well. Don't get me wrong, but I <laughs> ate too well. <laughs> yeah, that is nice to not to have it be a little bit less convenient to have food available. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. So how does, because I know that typically speaking, the ladies present different with ADHD than do the fellas in Honestly, it really wasn't even until about 1995 that uh, the medical community even would admit that the ladies could get or have, you know, ADHD. There was a long period of time where it was just like a male-only type thing, which is crazy wow. to me. I don't know why you wouldn't think that everybody could have it, but it's because the ladies present different. So at what age were you when you were diagnosed? So for me, and you're absolutely right about women, usually women are more of the inattentive type than the hyperactive type. So when I was a kid, it was a well-known thing that I had it. We never went to the doctor about it, but the school knew about it. Both my parents have it, but I wasn't officially diagnosed until I think I was 23 or 24. Okay. By then you had developed some, uh, some coping skills, I'm sure. Yes, we had, we had ways to deal with it. As a child, uh, my parents didn't want to put me on medication. So uh, they put me in sports and activities six days a week. So I was too tired to cause problems when I was at school. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it worked perfectly because I would just sit in my school desk and be like, okay, I'm just, I'm so tired. What? What are you saying? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. So then as you were, because obviously then you, obviously we're going to, uh, to that other school in Oklahoma called Oklahoma State. And um, how did, obviously, you know, going to college, university, it's, the pressures are different than in high school. Did it, did you find that it affected you positively, negatively? Was it hard to, to focus as you're doing the load? But, you know, coursework there at college? I felt actually that college was easier because I felt like instead of having an entire, I don't know how long kids are in school, like seven hours or something like that straight, mm -hmm. college was more broken up. You'd have more of a break between classes if you wanted. And I felt with it was being more segmented. 
and you did your assignments when you did your assignments, as long as they were done before the next class period, instead of that night, I felt college was so much easier than regular school. Cool. Cool. All right. Yeah. We're, we're getting to the bottom of your ADHD here. And um, I'm going to just change the subject and side quest really quick. I enjoy your squash mellows in the background. Yes. I love, I love the, the texture of them. They're so soft and squishy and it's relaxing just to just squeeze them. No, no, I am. I know. I'm going to make an embarrassing confession for a 50 year old man. <laughs> I sleep with a squash mellow. I have a T-Rex. Oh, I love it. When when I had to go to Colorado Springs last year with Emily, because I had had shoulder surgery a long time ago, and I had learned that if I sleep like hugging a pillow because it made my arm like level with my shoulder, it didn't hurt. Yes. And so ever since then, I just always slept on my side with a pillow. Well, when I had to go to Colorado for Emily, there wasn't like what I referred to as my hugging pillow. <laughs> <laughs> and so Emily has like, she had like 10 different squash mellows. So I just grabbed one and that's what I slept with. And as the close of time that I was there, I was like, this is so superior to a pillow. Right? Yeah. And so when I got back, I went on Amazon and found a T-Rex and got it. That's what I <laughs> sleep with now. Yes. I do the same thing. I have shoulder issues as well. And I tried with a regular pillow and it just wasn't comfortable. So I bought a, a squish mellow and I was like, oh, this is, this is actually perfect. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I love mine. <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't know if I was the target audience for that uh, particular type of stuffed animal, but uh, if you're listening to this, if you do have a shoulder issue, I'm telling you right now, the squash mellow is, is a gift from the universe to you. It is. They are, they are perfect for that. And I'm, well, I'm, I guess I'm coming out of the squash mellow closet here. <laughs> everybody should have at least one for sure for sure okay i side quested this now let's get back to um <laughs> back to your adhd so as you were um obviously you know how how university works get, you know go to undergrad get your bachelor's you know work on your master's and then your phd did you find that just because getting your PhD is sort of different than the normal sort of load for college, was it a hindrance? Did it help? What, did you find that it was hard to self-pace to do what you needed to do? It was definitely harder because with your PhD, you do your coursework first. That was similar to undergrad. But then when you get to studying for your comprehensive exams or your dissertation, that is completely on your own. And it's just hours and hours straight of writing and reading. And you can't really break that up as much as far as your time, because there's not a lot of time allotted for what you need to get done. So I, I reverted back to my parents' strategy is I got really into the gym, made myself really tired. And then I would put chocolate chips on my study material. So as soon as I finished studying that, I got to eat those chocolate chips. Because cool. I was like, I just need some kind of, I'm going to bribe myself like I'm a right. child. But it really? worked. I would be like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to read about Andrew Jackson being a terrible person. And then I'm going to get eat that chocolate. He was a terrible person, though. Oh, 100%. I mean, he was terrible might be too kind of a word. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a lot stronger language. <laughs> that was the name of your dissertation, Andrew Jackson, asshole president. <laughs> right. Well, and that's one of the reasons why when I taught, I taught college because I would just preface the day as Andrew Jackson, asshat. Yeah, yeah, there's a, uh, you are not wrong. And <laughs> he was phenomenally horrible. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. But it was like little, it helped because in grad school, you're only taking courses over your major. So I wasn't taking subjects that I didn't like. Right. So I was at least interested, but there is a point where it's like, oh my God, I've been sitting here for hours. I hate everything. Yeah. And you were working full time as you were doing this as well, correct? Yes. Which, you know, that was hard, but in a way it also helped because it was also changing up my environment. So I had an entire eight hours where I could not work on schoolwork and I had to do something completely different. Right. And yeah. so just changing it up like that helped. I I could see where that would, would be the case. Definitely. Definitely for sure. And how many... You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. So how long did it take you to go from your um, master's to when you finally got your doctorate? Just because you were working full time and everything, because I don't know, maybe someone's listening and they want to get theirs. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm only halfway kidding. So I took a year break after my master's uh, when I was working. That was when I was working for the museum. And from start to finish, my PhD took seven years, but it wasn't because I was working full time. I was enrolled in full time hours every single semester, and they just keep adding more and more requirements to it. And so it, even though I was enrolled full time the entire time, like they say, you know, four years for a PhD, but there's no way my coursework by itself took four years. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Yeah, well, congratulations on going through what fifteen years of of university to get that bad boy. Yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah. I think I I put in twelve years total of of college because I did get my bachelor's and my master's pretty quickly. But yeah, that that last seven years was a bit of a slog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, seven years is the amount of time Tommy Boy was in college. If you uh, remember the classic. Maybe Tommy Boy. Oh yeah, with uh, Chris Farley. That's uh, yeah, one of seen that oh, forever. You, you need to go back and see it. Remind you of the seven years you were in college, <laughs> getting your doctorate. <laughs> Although I think the seven years is slightly different between the two. <laughs> yeah, I I think his was more fun. Yeah, <laughs> probably a little more drinking on his on his time there. Not you know, I'm not saying uh, you were against partying. Like I don't know. I mean. It wasn't necessarily partying, but there was a lot of wine involved in my dissertation. Right. So he was just getting hammered. Yeah. And you were just drinking wine. Yeah. Probably yeah, drinking probably wine. not at the level he was drinking. No. <laughs> I was still coherent. Yeah. 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 So why don't you just sort of just go through here and just talk about, you know, like a typical day. Do you have routines that you have to stick with? Because if you don't do one portion of your routine in the morning, the next three hours are thrown off because that can happen to me. Because if I 
If I reverse the order of putting deodorant on and brushing my teeth, it could lead to me not putting my belt on and then I'm at work and my pants are falling off. And it's because I did that in the wrong order. So, you know, why don't you, why don't you go through and just, you know, talk about, well, I do, this is how I cope. These are routines that I do. This is, you know, things that help me and, you know, help me at home, help me at work, all of that type stuff. And if I think of a question, I'll just wave at you and to, to get your attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm also a very routine heavy person. I definitely, I have my morning routine and if any of it gets out of order or if I get interrupted, then I might leave the house without shoes, which I have done before. I had full clothes on. I had my house shoes on. Got my car. Didn't even realize I didn't have shoes on because I got interrupted during my routine. Right. I suppose it's better than having just your shoes on and no clothes, though. That's true. If I had to pick which one, I think I think subconsciously I made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was definitely the superior the superior route. Um, you don't want the law called on you. <laughs> right. Yes, I, I do have my routines, especially in the morning. I feel like the rest of the day can be pretty loose, but it, that morning routine has to be the same. And so when I get to work, my coping, so I've, I've had desk jobs mostly. I've had side jobs that weren't desk jobs, but with desk jobs, they're really hard because, you know, they want you to sit still. And I found that I do very poorly in very large corporate settings where they care about like how many hours your butt is physically in your chair. Mm -hmm. that That doesn't work for me. So I had one time my internship, they said, at the end of the evaluation, they were like, honestly, you were walking around and away from your desk so much. We have no idea when you do your actual work, but it gets done and turned in. So it works for us. I I understand uh, my job because I put out letters and file stuff. And so a lot of times I, I do something in because I'll, I'll generate the letter and I got to go walk to the printer. And then I can come back and generate the printer. And so doing that back and forth, it's enough to sort of keep me focused. So then I can, you know, do the next letter. And then when I got to go and file. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not just waiting around for crap to do, not working. I'm always busy doing stuff, but it's in like these three minute spurts. (laughs) And that works for me. And sometimes people are like, well, why don't you try why don't you go try to get a job at Tinker? You'd probably make more money. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm happier with the jalapeno I know than the habanero I don't. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> feel free to feel free to use that whenever you want. I'm definitely stealing that. <laughs> so um, yeah, just, just back to, you know, getting on with routine and all of that type stuff. Yeah, so that's exactly how I work best is I, I work in very short, intense bursts. And I do the same thing where I'm up and down all the time in my office and it works for me. Now, if I sit there and try to force myself, because I think a lot of us have had that moment where it's like, dang it, I'm an adult. I'm going to just sit here and I'm just going to work. And I will sit there for hours and I'll probably do 10 minutes worth of work. It just doesn't work. You can't force it. So doing these short little like intense bursts of work and walking around, that that's how I do my job. And that's how I get everything done. You know, you have found what works for you. <laughs> And, you know, what we discussed sort of earlier, an office environment is generally not built for for folks like us. 
No, because they assume that you're not doing work because you're not at your desk. And it's like, no, no, no. But I can cram an hour's worth of work in like 15 minutes, though. Yeah. It's like you just don't understand my my brain works differently than your brain does. So I'm like, if my stuff is turned in, just let me be. Yeah. And I don't see why. I feel like the corporate world wants to have everybody, you know, this is what you do and this is how it works best. And we found it works best, but it's like, yeah, but do you want me to be more productive? Exactly. Because I'm not going to be productive if I'm forced to just sit there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally, totally, totally get that. Totally get that. So is there any other like at work, especially now, um, I know that you're relatively new to your current company that you work for but previously you were i guess in the same field was there anything that you you know just sort of used you know writing code and programming and all of that stuff to to help you get through it yeah so other than like getting up and moving around quite a bit uh, i always have lists and it doesn't matter if i use the list but you know sometimes we have a hard time holding on to short-term memory and Correct. so you're going in so many different directions with coding and trying, like you've got so many things running, which is great. But then it's also sometimes when you're just, your short-term memory is not short-term memory. And so I just, I write down, I'll have a little list and it's okay if I lose the list because it's not, it's nothing vital. But if I have a moment of where I'm like, what am I even doing? What's happening? I can at least like refer to that. And be like, oh, I wrote this random word. Okay, that reminds me. I know what's happening. Right. Yeah. Are you a? Uh, also, do you uh, at your desk? Are you a post-it note overuser of leaving yourself like little things? I I used to. I I have a rocket book now, so I can at least not waste as much paper because you can just erase those with water. Right. But I have scratch paper like no other. And I probably look insane if anybody else would look at it because it's just random words that mean things to me, but may not mean anything to anyone else. Or it looks like I'm writing notes to a completely separate person, but I'm really just writing notes to future me. Right. I I understand that if it's, you know, someone come up and like, oh crap, I need to call and make a doctor's appointment. But of course now it's too late. And so I like, I'll get the post-it note and then I tape it to the bottom of my monitor. So when I come in in the morning, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have to do that because (laughs) once I get to the car and that thought is making a doctor appointment is gone. It is is not there. And do you have the problem that I had with post-it notes that if it's there more than a certain amount of time, you don't even see it anymore. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I definitely have that. And then I also, at any given time can have a minimum of like five alarms set on my phone to like 25. Because if I need to bring something into the office the next day, I can't set it by the door to take to the car. You won't see it. Right. I have to either when I get home, immediately put it in my backpack that I take to work every day. Or I have to have an alarm because sometimes like it'll be something refrigerated or something. Oh, that's the hardest. It's so I will have an alarm because I know that we leave the house at this time. So I set my alarm for like 7.08 because we leave at (laughs) 7.10. And so it goes off and it'll be get, you know, 
refrigerated item out of fridge. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And if I don't do that, it's just not going to be there. And then what generally happens is I get to work. <laughs> yeah, so. Same. I did the thing where I put my car keys, even if it's something in the fridge, I put my car keys and I clip it onto whatever I can't leave the house without. So then I actually can't leave the house without it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jody, my last guess, if she goes out, if she was at work and like the team building went to lunch or something like that, and she had leftovers to bring home, she's like, I will forget it in the fridge every time. And she's like, I discovered that if I put my keys in the leftover bag in the fridge, that I never forget the leftovers because I have to have my keys. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, right? that's a fairly, fairly good coping mechanism there. Yeah, you just make, or I'll put my back, I'll forget my backpack for work even though I take it every single day. So I, if I can't clip my keys on it, cause I clip my keys to something in the refrigerator, I will put it in like on the door to the garage. So I will come to physical harm falling over it. Right. I, it <laughs> I understand. I, I completely understand. So let me ask you this. Say you're at a party, Christmas party, and there are 30 people at this Christmas party, which of course means there's, you know, 11 conversations going on and it's in the, like kind of an enclosed space and it's just really, really loud. All right. So if I'm in this situation and I'm talking to Steve and there's a conversation on the other side of the room, you know, out of the 11, the one on the other side of the room is what my brain is listening to. Steve, that's literally one foot from me is talking. But I can't hear a word he's saying in the rest of the world, you know, it's just, uh, uh, the background noise. But I hear the conversation going on on the other side of the room. Is that an issue that you two have to deal with? Yes, it is so difficult because I'll even answer the conversation that's across the room. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was 1964. And then the person in front of me, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? What? what? Yeah, what, what were you saying? And like, I spend the whole time concentrating and focusing so hard on what that person is saying to me. But that makes it worse. But at the end of the night, I'm just exhausted from like the entire you know, two hour party or whatever it is of trying to focus on the person that I'm talking with because I don't want to seem like I'm being rude you know, right. and not listening. And it's just and so exhausting. It's so tiring. And then like, I always think of my face where I'm like, I need to look like I'm paying attention because even though I might be paying attention, my face might be in the other conversation and right. I will look like I'm being incredibly rude. I'm like, no, no, I've, I've totally got what you're saying. Just so much is happening. I'm over there too. Yeah. Yeah. And in my case, it doesn't help because I have tinnitus. And so <laughs> sometimes the person in front of me could be talking, but my ears are ringing and then I'm still not being able to focus on all of this. And it's just, I'm always so glad when the party's over or when I get to get and in the car quiet. and leave because it's just, it's exhausting. Now, the funny thing is when, so I told you my parents also have ADD. Mm -hmm. And when you get us all together and we're all talking in a room together, we're all doing that to each other. So there's simultaneously, like everyone is having four different conversations. And it's just that, kind of amusing because it's normal for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Heather is the only neurotypical person in our house. Misty has ADHD. Uh, Duncan has Asperger's. Emily has ADHD with a wee bit of OCD thrown in just for 
good measure. And of course, there's mine. And Emily and my uh, ADHD are very, very, very similar. And so mm-hmm. there were times if it was just Emily, Heather, and me, that that poor Heather, and she just <laughs> she just couldn't keep up with with our, our fast moving, ever changing brains. <laughs> You're just, yeah, to her, you're just like jumping around everywhere where it's like, what are you guys even talking about? Oh, we're talking about three different things. Which thing are you talking about? Yeah. What, what, you guys have lost me. I was just wanting to say this one thing. And right. Like, yeah. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I understand that dynamic with your parents where everything is just bouncing around. One of the things that irritates me are people that are like, oh, ADHD, it's just, it's it's not real. No, it is very real, oh. folks. Very real. It's so real. There are it's it can be very frustrating. There are also perks to it in a way, or benefits, I should say. Like there are things that we are really good at. But yeah, it, it drives me a little bit nuts when people are like, Oh, ADD isn't a thing, or it's just like, oh, if you're on your phone all the time, that's what ADD is kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Or have you tried this? Have you tried yoga? Like, have you tried? I, like, I have tried everything under the sun, trust me. Yeah, yeah. I have tried everything but cocaine. <laughs> that's, no, I tra- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's like when, you know, there are people that have ADHD and like, you know, Benadryl makes a lot of people tired, but sometimes people with ADHD, it like hypes them up. I wonder if someone with like super duper severe ADHD of cocaine would just tire them out. I was just thinking the same thing because like caffeine is a little bit different for us than it is for neurotypicals. Like caffeine calms me down. Right. So that would, that would be an experiment that the government needs to do. Yes. I'm sure there are plenty of cocaine addicts that are, have ADHD that would love to volunteer for that program. <laughs> <laughs> I th- yeah, I feel like they would have zero problems finding people. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a great commercial series on TV. <laughs> would you like to participate in a government study? Do you have ADHD? Are you addicted to cocaine? If so, we've got the study for you. <laughs> Somebody sitting on their couch is like, hot damn, that really spoke to me. Yeah, this is, I've been waiting for this for years. My time has come. (laughs) So do you also though have the, one of the things non-ADHDers don't understand is typically we have like tactile issues. Do you have the tactile issues where like certain, you know, like materials kind of bug you or you don't like to necessarily be touched, you know, that type of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I I have really bad tactile issues and it's actually a point of contention with my husband and I because he is a big fan of rugs and carpet and I it just makes me physically sick. I can't handle carpet and certain like the whatever business clothes that the women's slacks, I can't ugh, I can't stand that fabric. That, like that polyester blend stuff. Ugh. Yeah, that's the worst. And then shirt tags, I, yeah. I, I have to rip them out. I they cannot touch me. Yeah, for men, one of the greatest things was when shirts companies just started like screen printing the tag on the shirt. That's the best. Yeah, because you don't got to cut it off because you don't necessarily always get it cut off correctly, and it can go it can go south really fast when you're cutting that tag yeah. off if you don't do it right. 
And yeah, um, I have cut many a hole in, holes in shirts from cutting tags off. And I'm not a hugger, just in general. But then I'm also not a please touch me person. I I'm like perfectly fine, just nobody ever touching me. I would be I I am okay with that. Like to the to the extreme. My wife and I have not slept under the same blanket since after the first year of our marriage because I hate to be touched when I sleep. I will wake up. Well, let me re- if it's a person, my dog lays all over me and that doesn't necessarily bother me other than he's heavy as hell. <laughs> but it's like skin on skin. So like if she leans over and touches me, all of a sudden I'll get like hot. And then I also have this weird thing with feet. I don't like touching my own feet. So if I'm asleep and her feet touch me, I just wake up because I'm like creeped out on top of being touched. <laughs> like there are multiple reasons why this is not okay. Yes. And so finally, well, plus I'm a blanket hogger. Yeah. And so she got to where she would like have a blanket off to the side. And then finally she was just like, we might as well just skip all of this other steps and just start out this way. But it works for us. So if you guys have that type of issue, might I suggest your own blankets when you sleep? <laughs> so we, I don't mind touch as much. Like I'm cool with like quick hugs and things like that. That doesn't bother me. I don't like to be touched when I sleep either. And I'm also the world's lightest sleeper. And so my husband and I have actually, he has restless leg syndrome, AKA he plays soccer in his sleep mm. and he goal kicked my tailbone one night and after that along with the the like his legs kept touching me we haven't slept in the same bed like overnight in years but it's been the best thing ever we both get sleep and we don't hate each other so you guys are totally like back in the 50s you know on tv shows yes. where they had two twin beds next to each other there was actually a Seinfeld, a Seinfeld episode about that where George's parents slept in their own beds and it was because George Sant- uh, Costanza's mom, she had restless leg syndrome. But it's they didn't dangerous. refer to it as that in the show. It was called the Jimmy Legs. It's, I've, <laughs> called it, I've called it the Jimmy Legs ever since then. <laughs> I'm going to tell him that. <laughs> I have no idea why they called it that. But yeah, Heather had, oh, funny. had the Jimmy Legs every now and again. So Yeah, his were pretty bad. His were full on just kicking up a storm Uh, so yeah that's kind of a not not too many people go the uh you know the back in the 50s you know individual yeah twin bed thing (laughs) that of course everybody knows that nobody really slept that way but no yeah um i i find that cool so are your beds in the same room or do you both have your own no we both have our own because also i sleep he sleeps a lot like more broken up than I do and a lot later and just with me sleeping so lightly it's just easier to have separate rooms so I get a full night's sleep he gets a full night's sleep so I'm not waking him up in the morning which I'm not a morning person but he's even less so yeah I'm I I feel you there (laughs) is what it feels like but no I I under I understand that 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 entirely that that mantra but you know what i think it's cool you guys have found what works for you and i think sometimes people get put in this box of well you have to do it this way you have to do it this way well no because sometimes doing it what everybody thinks you have to do is actually harmful it's not beneficial 
And so if what works for you is beneficial, then by all means, do what works for you. So for sure. We've definitely had people kind of raise their, their eyebrows and be like separate rooms. What? Like, well, there's not a rule that you have to have the same room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I get it. And one time we were telling someone that and they were like, that we sleep, you know, we have our own blankets and they're like, well, well, what do you do when you want to, you know, and I'm like, we have kids. So obviously you just, (laughs) it's not that hard to pull a blanket down. (laughs) You know, we get that too, where it's like, we have, we walk, you know? Yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't have the space shuttle laying on me. You can take a blanket off. (laughs) (laughs) We have kids. We obviously overcame that issue. (laughs) It was figured out. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I find that interesting because especially dealing with sort of the unique challenges that ADHDHers, did I say that right? Anyway, what we have to sort of go through, (laughs) you have to have sort of these, um, I guess the the term the kiddos use now would be hacks, you you know, to kind of get through and do what works. And that's, that's kind of why I wanted to do this series with different people that, that deal with this because everybody's going to have what works for them. But someone listening might be having a hard time and it might give them ideas of something to try that can help them. Or you're the spouse of somebody and you might be like, oh my God, no wonder they're freaking, they're not nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, their brain is just wired different. Yes, definitely. I look forward to like hearing that too, because I always like to hear other people's hacks and try them because that's kind of trial and error is what you have to do to figure out what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I just, I wonder, you know, I'm like, so when you have ADHD are like your, the two hemispheres of our brain, do they like communicate like more efficiently than, cause everybody, you know, you have your, your left brain, your right brain, and they each sort of do their own thing. But ADHD ears were sort of this in between sort of world. You know what I mean? We have a lot of right brain tendencies, but we also have a lot of left brain tendencies. And I've often wondered if that just means that like our hemispheres communicate better. I have no idea. I've never even thought to research it other than it's just the occasional thought that I have. Um, I could be way off base. I don't know. But I know a lot of people with ADHD seem to have like this middle of, you know, are you right brained? Are you left brained? And I feel like a lot of us are in between. I never thought about that, but I always wondered because, yeah, where it's like, take this quiz to see if you're more right or left brain. And I remember in a psychology class in college, I couldn't finish it because I was like, hey, I just hit yes on everything. So I think I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, no, I've taken those and they're different types. And some of them I've taken are like, you are right brain. And other times I'll take them and it's like, you are left brain. And I'm like, well, I was right brain last time. And this time I'm left brain. And that's sort of why I've wondered if, you know, maybe, maybe that's the way our, why our brains work the way they, you know, do. I have no idea. I don't I don't know, but I never thought about that, but that would make sense. Cause I mean, like we're wired a little bit differently in other aspects of the brain. So, I mean, why not left and right hemisphere? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I just wish in my particular case that a lot of the stuff that I know now about ADHD is stuff that say I would have known earlier in my life because maybe things could, I could have some of that, you know, I could have maybe made things easier for myself 
Yes. But I also, just due to my age, I was diagnosed in the 1970s. It was not called ADHD. It was not called ADAD or ADD. It was called hyperactivity. I was a hyperactive kid, which I, you know, I bounced off the walls. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. So, you know, when I was a kid growing up, obviously everything was so much harder because there was no protocols in school on how to deal with a kid that has that. It was just, you have got to quit talking. You know, and then your desk, it moves off over by yourself because it doesn't matter who you sit next to. You're going to talk to them regardless. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, you're moving my desk. That's cute. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to talk to them too. You know, but then when you're off by yourself, that's almost worse because then you're not talking to anybody. No, you're being quiet, but you're also daydreaming the entire time, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I remember in fourth grade, they used to move my desk by a window. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Yeah, that was a mistake. Out this window. Yeah, yeah, that was a mistake. But then they couldn't move you by a wall either, because then you're like, well, how many? I wonder how many, like, sort of divots there are in that cinder block. God damn it. (laughs) Oh, hey, the grout's a little scratchy on this side. Oh, you know what? The paint is a little off there. I bet you if I pull that, I could start chipping that off. Oh my God. Is you there just paint to be pulled off? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to not listen to you. But yeah, you it's, should, not a, it's not a choice. Yeah, you should be more exciting. Teach subjects I like. <laughs> and I just also think of, in the workplace as well, because I've noticed in the last probably like five years, maybe longer, I feel like it's more okay to talk about in the workplace or people at least understand what you're talking about because it's becoming less of a, oh, it's just hyperactive boys in school and that's all ADD is. And you grow out of it when you become an adult. No, no, you don't. It gets worse. It does. I feel like I'm much worse now than I was like 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm way worse now than I was when I was a kid. I get bored getting water from the water dispenser in the fridge. It just takes too long to fill it up. Mine takes way too long, and I I hate it. Heather thinks I'm crazy. And now I can say, Teddy is crazy with me. (laughs) At least multiple of us are. Yeah, no, actually, I I know several other people that have said the same thing, (laughs) that it just takes too long. I'm like, why can't... Well, it's waiting is so hard for us, and, like, boredom is, like, painful. Yeah, and why is it that a microwave minute is, like, 10 minutes? You know, but but one minute on a TV show is 30 seconds, you know, when you're watching The Mandalorian, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'll multitask with the microwave, though. I'll put something in and then I'll kind of like rush and do some dishes while that time is happening. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand. I'm, I'm there. It's the, I wish there was just a better way that that we can explain sort of how it affects because it affects everything. <laughs> People don't realize that. And it seems like you're faking it. And it's like, no, I'm not. I have these issues and I don't need to, to be this way. I can't help it. Right. It's like, I logically, I understand that this is totally irrational, but I still like, I hate it. Yeah. I, it's so, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's nice to talk to other folks that have these same issues that I have, 
And ironically enough, because I have been doing this, this series and talking about it, I've obviously, of course, been thinking about ADHD more. And it kind of occurred to me, I'm like, you know, when I'm at work, if I'm focused on something, I hyper-focus on it. So when I'm hyper-focused, the rest of the world is just not there, right? right? So someone will come up to me and they'll just start talking to me. And I don't realize it for a certain period of time. And I'm always turning around and go, could you repeat that? What was that again? What were you saying? Okay, I have been at my job for almost 17 years. Yesterday at the staff meeting, for the first time, I told my coworkers, I was like, it's come to my attention that sometimes if you come to tell me something and I'm in my cubicle, that it appears that I am not listening to you. I don't want to come off as rude, but I have ADHD and I hyper-focus on things. And when that happens, the rest of the office isn't here. It's like, so I would just like to ask everybody that if you do need me, get my attention. Once you have my attention, I then need about two seconds for my brain to stop that. Because even though I'm not doing it, there's lag. So that then I can turn. So that I can then turn and focus on you. Like, if you guys could just please do that for me. It's not that I'm being rude. But it would it, it will it will help me out, and then it won't appear as if I'm you know being rude or whatever. And everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, we could do that. <laughs> but you know, seventeen years in, it finally occurs to me maybe I should tell people that I have this issue. <laughs> and there, yeah, and it, I'm at a new workplace, and I haven't really told people yet. I usually have to because I have to explain why I'm just literally speed walking in the office all the time people are like are you okay yeah it's stuff like that and if i'm in a hyper focus like do you get sometimes if i'm in a really good hyper focus i get downright cranky if someone tries to pull me out of that hyper focus i can because it takes 30 minutes to get not even as focused as i was to just like get focused enough to like actually do the thing Right. It's like, now I got to start the hyper-focus process all over again. Yeah. And if I'm reading, like Heather can come in and she'll start talking. And then when she finally gets my attention, she's like, who do you think I'm talking to? We're the only two people that live in this house. And I'm like, I don't know. The dog? When did you get here? Yeah. Like, first of all, how (laughs) long have you been standing there? Because that's creepy. Yes. (laughs) But it's not that I'm not that I don't want to listen to or whatever. It's just, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on what it is that I'm reading. And And that's all that exists. Yeah. And in season one, I had a pediatrician on, and one of her focuses is diagnosing children with ADHD. She actually trained under the guy that sort of invented the test to test for ADHD. So she's, she's fairly knowledgeable in it. Casey, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, we went we went to school together and uh, oh, cool. sat in front of me and often gave me job stoppers because she was a cheerleader and they sold them and she just gave them to me because I guess she felt sorry for me. But, oh. <laughs> but I had her on and she said that that hyper-focusing when you're reading and shutting off the outside world is something that is so, so typical and common with people with ADHD because that is a coping mechanism for us. Because somewhere along the way, like our brain was like, okay, if I'm going to focus on whatever it is, there can't be anything else in the world. 
and I do, I feel like I like just zone in on what it is I'm doing. And it sounds like you do that too. Oh yeah. If I'm like, and I hyper-focus for me, like the other reason why I like being a software engineer is because for some reason the code will be complex enough that I can hyper-focus for quite a long time for me and get super involved in it. And I, I swear like someone could drive a car through my house and I wouldn't notice for a while. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, no, I'm, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that's weird too with people with ADHD is, if it's something that you just find interesting, doesn't matter what the thing is. If it's something that you find interesting, you can sit still and read about it or, you know, watch videos about hours. it or do whatever for, yeah, hours on end. But if it's something that you have zero interest in at all, like 10 seconds is too long. Like It's so boring. Yeah. That's why I can't math. I can't math either. Once, once you get past division, I just don't see the point in any of it. <laughs> I'm like I just this is important for other people. I I can't. Yeah, my... ever, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just it's rough, and then sometimes I can feel myself. St- so I have what I'm supposed to be doing, and I have something that does not matter at all, and I can feel my hyper focus start on the thing that matters nothing at all. I'm like oh. oh no, but I can't control it. Yeah, no, I'm totally there. And then once something fascinates you. You like do everything you can to consume like every bit of information you can. And then you like become like a quasi expert in whatever it is. And you're like, well, I've learned all there is to know about this. Oh, I wonder how sunflowers grow. (laughs) Now all of a sudden, that's what you're interested in. And then you, you know, spend the next three months learning everything you can about sunflowers. And then you're like, how do they make thread? You know, that it just, it's this never ending cycle. And I think that's why like so many of us are like little mini experts about all of these just random unrelated things. And it fascinates me to hear like what other people have hyper-focused on. Like, oh, you know, a ton about sunflowers. That was a cool hyper-focus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, there are a few things that like lifelong I have enjoyed and like haven't like moved on from like science fiction, uh, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, those are like lifelong things. And I'm assuming for me with Star Wars, it's probably because I saw a New Hope in 1977 in the theaters and it was like my first thing. And I have loved Star Wars ever since then. But, you know, so there are things like that and everybody is like that. It's not like you just like something and then bam, you no longer. Uh, no longer like it like i know you're a batman person yeah always have been a batman person and it's funny because every once in a while like there's still rabbit holes that i will hyper focus on i'm like oh i haven't heard of that villain before i have to look up their entire backstory every comic they've been in and their entire history yeah i exactly and by the way listening friends abby has cosplayed as harley quinn and also Poison Ivy too, right? I have started Poison Ivy. I haven't finished it. I had the idea. So a lot of villains in the Batman universe are doctors. And right. so I wanted to do all the doctors as their doctor self. Like, you know, Dr. Pamela Isley is, is a Poison Ivy, like as her doctor and then as her villain outfit. 
right. do Harley Quinzel, like, and then Harley Quinn. Um, so I wanted to do kind of both sides of, okay, this is their professional doctor side and this is their villain side. And I can understand how someone becomes a villain after grad school. So I can feel that. <laughs> so you, but you do make all your own costumes and everything, don't you? I do. So sewing, all of that fun stuff. All the sewing, all the the just making of things and gluing them on uh, tiny little pieces. It's so funny that, you know, we had mentioned earlier about like you can focus on things. Sometimes you don't choose what you focus on, but that's something that I really enjoy. So I can sit and sew and work on these costumes forever. Right. Because that interests it's you. Interesting. As you're doing it, because in your mind, everyone else might just see, you know, pushing the, you know, the fabric through the sewing machine or whatever. But you're like, in your mind, you're like, I'm getting so close to this goal and it's going to be so awesome. But at the same time, it can be calming. And I don't think yes. that's another aspect. When you are hyper-focusing on like the thing that you're doing and you're doing it for 12 hours straight, but because you enjoy what you're doing, it actually has a calming effect on you. It, it, it's, people would look at it and be like, well, sewing for seven hours would be tedious. But in your mind, because it's not, you're doing that, it's actually calming. And I don't think when you're hyper-focused, I also feel because I also have anxiety. And so when I hyper-focus and, you know, the rest of the world doesn't exist, just not having all of the outside stressors because I'm hyper-focused on sewing is so calming and relaxing. Right. Yeah. I know. I, I totally get it. I think that's one of the reasons why Minecraft is my favorite video game because it's calming, but I'm like building and doing stuff, but I'm yes. not like building and doing like real stuff, but I'm building and doing stuff. And to me, it's just calming. And my wife is like, I don't see how you enjoy that. But you know who enjoys Minecraft in my family? Everyone but Heather. Really? <laughs> I still have it. I need to try Minecraft. I got really into Stardew Valley because it was kind of that same way with like farmland as you're building right. all this farmland and planting everything. I saw Minecraft and I was like, I need to wait because I know I will hyper-focus on this for months. Oh, I, oh yeah. Heather used to, <laughs> so I had an Xbox, Duncan had an Xbox, Emily had an Xbox. Obviously, they were all in our own rooms, right? If we would mm -hmm. Minecraft together in our own rooms, oh. but with headsets. And Heather would be like, why don't you guys just do it on the same TV? And all three of us are like, because then the screen is small. Yeah. We all have our own screen here. And she's like, but you're not together. And I'm like, how do you figure? I literally just spent 12 hours talking on a headset with the kids. You right. haven't talked to the kids for 12 hours straight recently, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I could hear them. They're right here. They're on my headphones. Yeah. It's like we literally set out to build New York City in Minecraft. Oh, cool. And we had gotten so far and then it updated and it corrupted the file and we lost it. <laughs> No. Yeah, we were we were very upset because we had we had wasted so many hours. <laughs> right. I'm like, this is this is meditation for us. Yeah, it it really is. And strangely enough, I kind of enjoy editing podcasts. Really? Yeah, I don't know why, because it's in no way I don't know. It I could do it and I'll look and I'm like, oh hey, I've been at this for a couple hours now. I don't know why. I think it's because you start out with one thing and then when it's 
over. I've like fixed like all of the, you know, things that could go wrong, likes, ums, you knows. Yeah. Because we as humans use those a lot. <laughs> but I, I edit it out to make it flow faster on the podcast because it's not necessary to get the point across. And right. I guess I like the end product when I've eliminated all, not all, but, you know, 80% of them. And well, then it, you have kind of a, a packaged accomplishment of, I made this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I like about uh, doing leather work. The problem I have, tell me if this is something you have, it can be something that you have done a ton of times and inevitably you forget a step. Every single time. And I've gotten to where I, even though it's, it's stuff, it's like a sewing thing that I've done since I was small. I still write down steps because I will a hundred percent forget something vital in there. And so if I just have a little reference, I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I've literally made, I'll make leather sleeves for uh, wide mouth Mason glasses, Mason jars. And so you make a leather sleeve and basically I turn the, the Mason jar into a coffee mug and the leather actually keeps your coffee warmer longer than a ceramic mug. And I have made, I've made them and given them to friends. I've made them and I've sold them. As a matter of fact, head football coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys, Mike Gundy, has one of my leather mason jar coffee mugs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It just so happens that a friend of mine, Mike, is her brother-in-law. And she gave it to him for Christmas one year. <laughs> but, you know, I've made, I don't know, 30, 40 of them. And inevitably, I'll miss a step. <laughs> and I'm like, I made this. I should know. From what I understand now from dealing, you know, from researching and finding out about ADHD, we all do that. Mm -hmm. Or we'll remember things out of order. Like, yes, we have all, all the steps. It will not be in the right order. And maybe that is why math beyond division is an issue for us. Oh, you may so have true. just figured this out. <laughs> that's why we can't algebra. That's why we can't math. Because math that's has to, to be in order. Yes. And we can't remember the order properly. You just figured it out, Tabby. Yes. I, I think I know the source of your next doctoral thesis. Right, like, <laughs> Why ADHDs can't math? <laughs> Sidebar, side see, not my fault. And then write it out of order. Yeah, out of order. If you're neurotypical, some assembly is required. Yeah, it's actually... It's funny that we bring this up because last weekend, uh, Heather's mom and then our oldest daughter, Misty, were here and we were just talking about stuff. And I'm like, and why would you, why did they make us diagram sentences? And Misty's like, I know it's so stupid. And then Heather and her mom, both neurotypical, are like, I enjoy diagramming sentences. And I'm like, and you guys both like math, don't you? And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, diagramming sentences is just there were some English teachers that were jealous of math teachers, and they were like, how can we get some math into English? But what if we diagrammed a <laughs> sentence? Like, it's stupid. You don't need to know how to diagram a sentence. They're just doing that to be dicks. And because there's an order to it with steps, <laughs> I could never oh, figure that out. I, I was so I was really, really good at English, but that was the one part I was really bad at because I just knew what the sentence should sound like. So right. I didn't know if it was wrong, if it didn't sound right. But if you make me write out all the parts. Yeah, because they mathed English. 
I never thought about it like that, but yeah, because you have to go in order and ew. Yeah. I, we've just, God dang it, Tabby, we just freaking solved one third of the world's problems for us. <laughs> ADHDers. <laughs> We're a think tank. We are. We're at, I, we need to start this right now. The Jack and Tabby ADHD think tank. <laughs> And then yes. in a month, we'll lose interest in it and it'll go away. <laughs> but you know what? For that month, it'll be really good. <laughs> That's right. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, that probably is a good point on why so many people with ADHD have a hard time with math beyond division, especially like with algebra and stuff like that. It's because yeah. it's step dependent. <gasps> and coding isn't. I just had that thought. Interesting. What you're doing, but right. what I do, it's because it, I was like, well, what I do can be kind of mathematical, but it's it's also not because what I do, the steps can really be, and you can write them in any order. Right. <laughs> now, this is this has been really interesting. I feel like we've, I don't know. I just feel like it's been. I've had a few revelations. Yes. As as we've done this, um, <laughs> things that I had honestly never considered. Those good light bulb moments. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you have any thoughts on if Patty and I are correct about this or if we're completely crazy, go to my Facebook page, Musings of an ADD Mind, and comment on it. Tell us, you guys are nuts. Or, holy crap, you guys are on to something. <laughs> and ideally what would need to happen is a researcher without ADHD would study it because it would last longer than a, two months. <laughs> That's a really good point, but we can, we can get it started. Yeah, we can point you in the right direction. <laughs> and then because we're probably going to lose focus fairly fast, especially if it involves math. <laughs> oh, so fast. Yeah, yeah. Math is uh, having our someone we both love history. Now, obviously. Yeah, I mean, she has a doctorate in it. So I would assume that if you're willing to take out $10 million of student loan debt, that you probably enjoy the subject. <laughs> yes. Spending that much time, yes. <laughs> yeah. You tend to not be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to get a doctorate in applied physics. Hate the subject, but sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> but believe it or not, we've we've been at this for over an hour now. Is there anything else that you would like to mention, point out, advice the floor is yours take as much time as you need i would probably say just try all the hacks you can i'm still a work in progress especially in the workplace and what works for me what doesn't work for me i'm still trying things that either make things less frustrating or i just enjoy doing things that way so i'm always i'm always up for trying hacks and trying other people's hacks until until you get a system Cool. Cool. I, I agree with that. And, you know, don't be afraid to probably more people with ADHD should probably rabbit hole ADHD. Yes. That, that's a good hyper focus <laughs> to get. <laughs> you know, how many of us do that? I have no idea, but maybe we should. I definitely did. I got really into researching the brain and the wiring of the brain. And yeah, I had a really long ADD rabbit hole that I went down and it, it was fascinating and it was a good hyper focus for a while and some good stuff came out of it. So I would definitely recommend that if that's a rabbit hole that you 
find appealing. Right, right. And actually, while you were saying that, I did think of one more question. What is the strangest topic you rabbit hold? Oh, it's always so random. I think my most like my recent weird topic that I rabbit hold is I had heard a little bit of a mention of Napoleon getting attacked by rabbits. And so I, of course, had to go look up everything. I was like, ah, Napoleon, Waterloo, blah, 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 whatever. Where's the rabbits? And I found where they went on a rabbit hunt and he, they released the rabbits. And instead of running away because they're scared and, oh, you know, we're going to die. They just banded together and bombarded and ran the men off this hunt because they were, uh, not scared apparently and so that i that was the really deep rabbit hole which is hilarious that it was about rabbits but that right. was the rabbit hole i went through <laughs> so three thoughts i immediately had one the rabbits from monty python and the holy grail yes clearly they're the the descendant those rabbits were the descendant of that rabbit yep same kind Two, australia <laughs> losing the great emo war which i'm sure you are aware of yeah <laughs> Wait, what was the third one? Oh, the third one was the turkey drop drop in WKIP for their Thanksgiving special, but instead of turkeys, it was rabbits. It was <laughs> because rabbits. because there is the scene at the end where uh, Les Nessman comes in and he's all, and they you know they landed the helicopter and the turkeys came out and it was like they organized and they just started attacking everyone. <laughs> so when you you know when you're saying you're saying that with the rabbits, I'm like. Oh my God, it's a real life WKRP. <laughs> I know I get WKRP is probably you know a little before your time, um, but you can YouTube WKRP Thanksgiving Turkey Drop and you will find it. And it is the greatest thing that ever happened on television. It is, it is incredible. It is incredibly good. Incredibly good. But since I had you talk about the strangest thing that you sort of rabbit hold, the strangest thing I ever rabbit hold was the Duggars, you know, 19 Ooh, kids that's and a counting. Good one. I know far too much about those freaks in their so cult. Information, like, in their cult that they were in. Partially it's because I have a fascination with like religious studies right. because religion and history are very much intertwined. It does not matter yes. what part of the world it is. Religion and history are very much intertwined. And I also have a fascination with cults. In Same. The Institute for Basic Life Principles is a cult. And the point of their TV show was to get people in the cult, right? But they're also, Jim, Bob, and Michelle are horrible people. From the little bit that I've heard, yeah. Yeah, they are, they are awful. Keep in mind, their daughters were equally to blame for what the boy did to them, the son did to them. That's disgusting, <laughs> I've actually done a podcast about how awful they are in the past, but that was sort of the strangest thing that I rabbit hold. And I would, I sort of followed it for kind of multiple years because it like checked off all of these boxes. It's, you know, religion, cults, they're fucking weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's so much, there's so many aspects to that whole family. Like I can see how that would be a really long running rabbit hole. It it really, really was. And it's only been in like the last, well, since uh, Josh went to jail that I've sort of started deteriorating. 
or, you know, not deteriorating where I, I, I haven't like sort of checked in on them recent frequently. Yeah. But anyway, that, that is the strangest thing that I ever rabbit holed and went That's down. And it's almost embarrassing that I know so much about that family. As I, but uh, yeah, so now everybody knows that about me. I sleep with a squash mellow and know too much about the Duggars. <laughs> all your secrets are coming out. I know. I know. You get a podcast. <laughs> next thing you know, you just start talking about yourself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, now that we've, I think we've pretty much talked about how it affects you with your life and how it affects me and yeah. hacks and stuff like that. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. And I think this will be a pretty fun one to edit later on when that happens. So once again, I appreciate it. And I'm going to end the podcast as I always do. And uh, that is, remember everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.